Hello again, and thanks for coming back for The Hammer, an umpire podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Weber. In this episode, we're going to have a health and wellness segment, a rules segment, and an umpire spotlight. Well, my umpire season has come to an end. I worked 151 games, my final one coming this past Friday. I worked a fall game over at Western Michigan University. I was lucky this year to work the most collegiate games I'd ever worked in my um, five years of doing it. Uh, 36 games, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Hopefully it'll be onward and upward next year when the, the new assignments start coming out. I was also able to work um, quite a few uh, high school level games and earn my second state finals here in the state of Michigan, which we worked down at Michigan State University and at, at their nice campus and facility there. So when you work a state final in Michigan, uh, you work two semifinal games and then one of the final games. We have uh, four divisions, Division 1, 2, 3, 4. And then throughout the summer, like many many of you, I'm sure, um, I worked a good deal of um, uh, tournament games for varying levels, all you know, teenagers basically, um, 18U and below. And I worked a little bit of the summer collegiate league that's here in uh, Muskegon. So um, it was a successful year, and um, all of us always hope to maintain what we have and then move on to something bigger and better each year. It doesn't always work out that way, but we can always hope, right? Um, well, we'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I like to call this segment the health and wellness section. The baseball umpiring season has come to an end for me, the game I worked this past Friday. Uh, and now I'm in off-season mode. But when you're in off-season mode, as many of you I'm sure are aware, you can't take everything off. Uh, you've got to try to keep yourself in the best shape that you can. If you live in a colder climate like I do, uh, that can be challenging at times. Uh, when it's warmer out here up in Michigan, um, I go for walks as often as I can with my dog and you know around the neighborhood and try to keep active that way. I'm not much of a runner. Um, and I try to go to yoga uh, a couple times a week. I usually go Wednesdays and Sundays um, at the YMCA. That's not too far from my house. Um, I know some of you, maybe yoga, not really your thing. You don't really think about doing that. But as we um, get a little older, especially us umpires that are over 40, uh, we definitely have to keep our flexibility um, because if we don't, we're more susceptible to injuries. So I've had um, a number of you know injuries, if you, if you will, over the years. Several years ago, back in 2006, I had back surgery. Um, had a, just kind of some bad luck with my back and um, ended up with a spinal fusion on my lower couple vertebrae. 
So I like to keep that as um, flexible as I can, and I've been pretty lucky with it. I'm obviously still on the field working. I mean, uh, you don't have to be doing backbends out there to umpire. So I, I do yoga primarily for my back, and um, I go to the chiropractor um, every week or two, um, get adjusted, and that seems to help as well. Um, I've had knee surgery on, on both of my knees for meniscus tears in the last couple of years, but luckily they're healthy. Um, and those are both from umpiring for sure. Um, I've had uh, gastroc recession in both of my calves because I've had very tight calves and I was quite susceptible to um, blowing out an Achilles. Um, my right ankle, I've had um, um, some ligaments repaired. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I've had a few surgeries there, but I'm pretty healthy now. I'm certainly not as quick as I was, was back in high school. But um, I, I want to go to yoga, do my chiropractor, um, walk, and keep my weight down, which is at a reasonable level. I mean, I, I could certainly lose 10 pounds or maybe slightly more, but um, I look all right. I mean, and, and there's, there's no doubt that your fitness... Uh, figures into how you progress as an umpire. Um, one, it affects you on the field for your ability to, you know, be in position and, and um, be able to use your judgment the best you can. Um, but also just the way you look. Um, assigners see that, other umpires see that, coaches see that. One way or another, it figures into your evaluations. And if you um, are overweight and not, not in shape, um, it's going to affect you for that, and it's also going to affect you as far as uh, your evaluations. So I urge you to figure out what you can do for yourself. I mean, if you're a jogger, that's great. If you're a guy that likes to lift weights, that's great. You go for it if that helps you be in shape. But you've got to do something to maintain your flexibility and your strength and to keep your weight down. Uh, if you're a younger guy, you're in your 20s or younger, you know, that's maybe not a problem right now, but it will be. You can ask any of us older guys. Um, if you're in a warmer climate, I know maybe that's not as difficult. Uh, maybe you're working more games. But if you are working more games, you, you definitely got to keep your flexibility so that you can do that. I definitely maintain that throughout the uh, winter months. And then when February and March rolls around, uh, I, I'm very conscious of making sure I don't skip any opportunities to um, do my stretching and to um, even get outside in the thick snow with my dog. I got a chocolate Labrador retriever that likes to go out anytime he can and get out there with him and uh, walk around and uh, get the heart pumping. Um, so make sure you're doing something. Um, if you have any suggestions on what you do that uh, might help other people, feel free to uh, send me an email or leave me uh, a voice message on the Anchor app. And I'll be happy to try to play it uh, and figure it into one of our future episodes. Each show, I'd like to do a little segment that deals either with a rule or a mechanics or a special situation that uh, umpires frequently encounter. It could come from pro rules, NCAA rules, or high school rules. And... Um, if I get some feedback from people about some things that we'd like to discuss, I'd be happy to incorporate that into the show. But for today, we're going to look at the, uh, the newly revised 20-second action rule for NCAA baseball. So, you know, basically all collegiate baseball. 
Now, NCAA rule appendix F, there already exists a 20-second time limit for a pitcher to begin his motion to deliver a pitch when the bases are unoccupied. But now for 2020, this has been you know, extended and to include when there are runners on base. So as you can imagine, there's going to have to be a, um, uh, an umpire timing this on the field unless there is a visible clock. But a visible clock is not required. So really only higher level Division I schools might have a visible clock. But if you're working a JUCO game or, or even like a D3 game, um, or many D2 games, um, you're not going to have a visible clock. You can't use a stopwatch very well for this. You're never going to catch any box or any kind of other infractions that are happening if you're looking at your stopwatch and resetting it for every 20 seconds. So much like they have for football and other sports, the little uh, box timers have been developed and they're selling them for around $70 a piece plus shipping, I think. Um, and on those, you know, it clicks clips on your belt and I use this at one of the three-man cams you know you flip it up one way and it's the 120 seconds for them between the innings you flip it down the other way it's um, 20 seconds and it like vibrates at the the different uh, the different segments along the way to let you know and then you put it in the middle it's kind of neutral and it's off and then you can actually pay attention to your responsibilities on the field um, there's been a lot of um, hubbub about this. Um, some people think this is going to cause some problems. It, it, it very well likely will um, if uh, it's not enforced right, um, particularly when there's not a visible clock. Um, so basically, um, if the pitcher is in the dirt circle and then the uh, catcher is in the catcher's box or in the circle area and the batter is set, then the pitcher has 20 seconds to begin his motion. doesn't mean he's got to throw it. He's got to be ready to go or he's got to make some kind of play on a runner. And then it would reset. Um, some schools, some Division One schools that I've heard about, are trying to get around that where they think that they can have the catcher hold the ball. But if he's holding the ball um, in the catcher's box area or somewhere within the dirt area around home plate, it's going to start. And the umpire does have the discretion just to start it if he thinks anybody, could, not just the catcher, is trying to skew the rule and you know waste time. So that's not going to work either. They want you to be ready to go and not wasting time there. Um, if there's a foul ball, it starts when uh, the plate umpire, of course, puts it back in play once everybody's all set and ready to go like it should be, when, what, what you normally do. Um, so um, each pitcher gets warned. If they violate the rule, they get warned. Then if they do it again, yeah, every time after that, um, it's a ball. The batter needs to be in the box before five seconds is up and ready to you know see a pitch if he is not then it's a strike so they can't just try to slow it down to um, you know try to get a cheap ball called on the pitcher um, we'll see how this works out it's gonna be interesting I, I've got to get myself one of these timers um, probably you know get it for Christmas or something that seems like a Christmas present that's useful I guess um, and you have to look into it if you work collegiate ball I'm sure you probably have heard of this gone to any camps this fall it's definitely been talked about. I worked on it in, in a camp uh, this past fall, and um, it didn't work too badly for the um, for the box timer. Um, but uh, it's definitely a work in progress. So I'd be definitely interested to hear any of your feedback on that. You know, send me an email, you know, tweet me, or send me a voice message, and maybe we'll use that in a future show.
Now it's time for our umpire spotlight. And for the first segment, I'd like to do Doug Harvey, the Hall of Fame baseball umpire, whose nickname was God, that he earned from players. Um, he was the last major league umpire who um, never attended umpire school, among other things. And now that's impossible to make it to the major leagues if you don't go to umpire school. So um, Doug Harvey uh, died back um, in early 2018 um, uh, of esophageal cancer. Um, you know, he had chewing tobacco was his big thing when he was coming through, and um, that'll get you. Uh, same thing it did the Tony Gwynn. But anyway, uh, when he retired, he had ranked third in Major League Games uh, worked. He had worked well over 4,500 games. Um, and he worked in the National League from 1962 to 1992 when, when the leagues were split. If um, our younger fans uh, don't know, that's the way it was for quite a few years. Um, he was a, a well-respected umpire throughout his career um, who seemed to have the the perfect blend of no nonsense with um, game management, um, where he could, you know, handle a situation without inflaming it. That's always uh, a key component of any official of any sport, and Doug Harvey could do that. Came up through California and San Diego area is where he is from. He um, officiated several sports throughout his career, but best known for for baseball. Uh, worked five World Series. Um, seven all-star games, uh, nine National League Championship Series. Uh, he was the umpire uh, behind the plate when Kirk Gibson hit the famous home run in the 88 World Series. I remember him uh, working the 1984 World Series. And, of course, uh, when I was a kid watching the Tigers, um, we didn't really get to see the National League guys too often unless they were on TV for Game of the Week or such. Um, but... Uh, if you watch him now, he still seems, you know, if you see old clips of him anyway, um, he still seems um, a little more on the modern side compared to um, some of the other older umpires. Of course, the uh, National League worked the inside protector, like we all pretty much do now, whereas the American League was working the balloon back in those times. And so he, um, that, that's the way he works. So it looks a little bit more like what you might be used to. Um, so there was a book that came out um, called They Called Me God. Um, from several years ago, a biography um, on Doug Harvey that I, I read, and I highly suggest it. Very good. Um, you, you obviously learn about his life, but also you know a lot about his umpiring philosophy and uh, you know his story. And every umpire has an interesting story um, that makes it to the major leagues. You know, there's never really an easy road there, um, and it wasn't for him either. Um, in um, 2010. Um, he was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee, um, and there's you know only a handful of umpires that are in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and and he is definitely deserving of that. Be interesting if who you think are any current umpires that um, might make it to the Baseball Hall of Fame. I can think of a few, but if you wanna shoot me an email or or you know tweet me or um, leave me a voice message and let me know what you think, um, we can have a little segment on that as well. So anyway, there's our spotlight umpire for the day, Doug Harvey. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of The Hammer. Thanks for joining me. I hope you'll come back again. 
If you have any feedback for me, as always, feel free to email me at spinalfusion06 at yahoo.com. Tweet me at at Kevin R. Weber, K-E-V-I-N-R-W-E-B-E-R. Or go to the Anchor app, make sure you have an account, and leave me a 60-second or less voice message, which I'd be happy to try to use on a future show. Until then, keep calling strikes. <laughs>